We have content warnings for you for this episode. We talk about child molestation and abuse, sexual assault, and victim blaming. and happy new year horror fans horror nerds uh you are listening to horror nerds at church a ridiculously queer podcast where we take a deep dive into a horror film and talk about how it connects to queerness religion and theology i'm pastor emily and i'm the one crucifix in the entire movie worn by quentin and i'm pace and i am the google search which was not actually google do you remember what it was called oh my gosh oh but it was so good it was like space astro bing or something wasn't bing it was astro blast was it was it i'm going back in our chat just to see oh yeah Uh, because we commented on it that's smart oh i didn't think of being that one I have to come up with these during watching the movie, not right before we Giga record. Blast. That's it. What is it? Okay. Giga Blast. Giga Blast. Right. And I am Pace, and I am the CEO and founder of the Giga Blast search company, which is a real thing and is a main competitor for Google, apparently, at least in this Nightmare on Elm Street universe. Totally. It definitely has like more, you know, spacey stuff and computery <laughs> stuff. Love totally, it, love it. Totally. Ooh, well, how, how are you? you? Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say, how are you doing now that we're like on the other side of New Year's and towards the final days of the Christmas season, Christmas tide? So this is, so this episode is coming out the exact same day of, as our live show. So if you're hearing this, it's a little too late to catch it live, but you can still check it out when we um drop the recording probably on Patreon sometime mm-hmm. soon. But As to how I'm doing, it relates to this because today we are recording this on a Monday. Tomorrow I have to do like a 10-hour work day to get stuff set up since I'm not going to be there for the weekend for programming. And then I have to pack. And then Wednesday morning (laughs) I fly out at like 6 a.m. And then Thursday I record a live show with Emily. (laughs) And then... and. There's a blizzard that's supposed to happen while this is all this going on. It's supposed to start tonight up here, so we'll see if any of this happens. Um, so, but I guess y'all will be finding out um, as this episode drops. <laughs> I was going to say, but um, yeah, so all sorts of wild stuff going on um, here in the life of Pace Warfield May. What about you, Emily? Um, well, our island of misfit toys, as we refer to ourselves, um, has been uh, extra full and chaotic lately. So we have a um, friend of the podcast and friend of us, River Needham, is out visiting and we'll be at the conference that we're going to to do our live show at. Um, and we also had like a COVID, like not a COVID scare, but like had COVID in the house and like managed to not all get it, which feels nearly impossible particularly given the like new strain that's about to (laughs) happen that's like starting and is more transmissible and more immune evasive and all of that stuff so um yeah I I feel like we're in some ways coming down but also have like some extended family stuff for some of the folks in the house and so it's just like it's been a complicated and shitty (laughs) couple of weeks right. i mean holidays are always tough for queer folks but um yep. it's been it's been extra extra yeah so yeah <sighs> well it's still nonetheless enjoyable to be here and to be mm-hmm. recording this um even if it wasn't quite an enjoyable movie but i'll get into that <laughs> uh, 
But speaking of like movies that might be enjoyable, uh, this is our last week. We'll be talking about Advent Miss for Me because this is coming out on Twelfth Night and tomorrow is Epiphany. And mm-hmm. so um, what have you watched or what will you be watching for tonight and tomorrow or any of the above? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> so Nerds at Church took a page out of Horror Nerds at Church's book and we recorded a movie commentary for the Muppet Christmas Carol. So that was super fun to watch, and it's available for our Patreon supporters on Nerds at Church. Um, and I also watched The Santa Claus because that's a, <laughs> you know, usual. It's a nostalgic favorite that's super, pro- it's one of my problematic faves. Um, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. But I am super excited to watch the Great British Baking Show holiday episodes. They usually do two episodes. Um, and I am about a season behind, but I'm probably going to like skip, skip the season, do the holiday episodes that I haven't yet seen yet, and then go back and <laughs> watch the whole season. But I just love Great British Baking Show, um, not all of the racism, colonialism yep. stuff, right. but um, yeah. What about you, you? You will really dislike their most recent episode on Mexican food that they did this season. It got a lot of I pushback. heard about it. And <laughs> yeah. there's a particular like brand of British imperialism that is evident in that and in the one that they did. Apparently they did s'mores at some point. So Oh, I don't remember catching that one. I, I watch it like I, off and on because of Yeah reasons but yeah i just heard about it i heard a lot about the mexico one yeah yeah and they pronounce taco as taco which just makes me cringe um anyway uh so for me i will be watching for tonight which is food feasting because it's 12th night and one of my favorite Mm -hmm. holidays i'll be watching babette's feast from 1987 i would love to do a movie commentary on this episode one day too is one of my favorite movies it is not horror enough for me to justify doing it on the main feed, though, even if everything is horror, but still. Um, and then bed knobs and broomsticks I'm going to oh, do yeah. for tomorrow because it's magic and it's epiphany. And I feel like I am turning into the main character, uh, <laughs> into um, Angela Lansbury's character in that movie because she is like, oh, I love everything about her. Um, mm-hmm. Fights off the fash with her magic, like everything. Um, and so... That'll be my tomorrow, and also I know that we'll probably cover that on this podcast when we get to which season, because it's so fun. Yeah, um, I watched Bedknobs and Broomsticks for the first time this last year with Matt and Susanna, and I watched it. So. What did you think? It's one of my favorites. It was, it was really cute. I love Angela Lansbury. She's mm-hmm. just great, so like, mm-hmm. period. And then it was just really cute. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch it for our witch season. Well, uh, what else? I guess, I guess we can just get into the movie. We're winding down the season, but mm-hmm. um, so, but this is our last of the nightmare movies, and then we'll have a retrospective, of course. Mm-hmm. But we are covering today a Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010, uh, the remake directed by Samuel Bayer, who only has directed music videos and commercials. This was is his only film credit. Mm. And, uh, yeah, what was the first time you seen this one, Emily? This for this episode. Oh What's the gosh. first time I saw it? Cheers. Yeah, drink your wassail. That's what the drink I always make for my 12th night parties when I have them. Mm-hmm. Not having one this year because of traveling. But... And COVID. And COVID. Traveling yes. and COVID. I don't know if we'll ever have any, I don't know if I'll ever have any like winter holiday gatherings anymore unless they're like all outside. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, I saw this for the first time in the theaters with Jenna, my sister, and JR Lux, uh, both who have been on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so basically, JR was in town. I, this is when I was in my grad school at Gettysburg. JR mm-hmm. was in town. So we felt like watching the movie. And Jenna was free because it was like the weekend or something. So, And I know Jenna wanted to see it. So we drove out to where Jenna was going to college. Um, 
out in Lancaster and we watched it. And I remember during the movie, the line that uh, the mom says to the daughter, who remembers when they were five? <laughs> and Jenna said, uh, most people loud enough that JR and I both started laughing. <laughs> and so like, that's kind of like the the experience of this movie for us. Like we were not impressed when we came out of the theaters. It was just it was more of a who we were with and having fun, making fun of this movie that we had high expectations for and then just mm-hmm. was not, was not it for us. Yeah. I, I don't know. I remember like my earliest memory is probably four, but I don't remember much from being like five or six. Really? I remember yeah. quite a bit okay. from my early childhood. Yeah. I don't. It's also like, all a blur, so I don't know how much is like early elementary, late preschool. True, true. Any of that. But. For me, most of my memory um, issues are like the past few months. I have no memory of what happened. But can I remember like my grandmother who died when I was three? Yeah, I have a very clear memory of her. So I do have a very vivid memory of my great grandmother. Who died when I was little? Yeah. That's fair. Memory, interesting thing. Um, mm-hmm. that uh, I guess we'll get into the behind the scenes for this. Um, my initial impression on watching this was it looks like they went big budget for this one. Did they? It looks like fancy big budget, but it also might just be like the progression of technology since the originals. Yeah, this is yes ish so um (laughs) this is part of platinum dunes which is michael bay's company the guy from transformers you know whatever big budget action movies stuff kind of he also did the like teenage mutant ninja turtles movie from like a decade ago that kind of stuff um but his company was in the throat like making a ton of remakes of Mm -hmm. slasher movies during this decade so the first one was texas chainsaw massacre came out in 2003 then Friday 13th, which we've covered in this podcast la- uh, uh, two seasons ago with Olivia Laflamme Washington. Mm-hmm. Great episode. Emily actually listened to that one, even though they didn't see the movie. <laughs> I did, because Olivia's amazing. And they I are. was like, I want to know what they have to say about the movie. Yep, yep. But um, And your conversation with them, like that in particular. I was like, this I want to be there for. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> awesome. I hope we lived up to the expectations. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, good. Uh, so, but there's Michael Bay's movies, like the slashers, there's like lots of nudity and gore and this like sense of like realism, but like in quotation marks, cause like, it's not actually real, but they're like, oh, let's depict blood and stuff like gore, like as if it would actually happen. And we'll get into like what they did with Freddy Krueger's makeup, um, and attempting to do that there too. So, yeah, but yeah, like it. They're still low budget compared to like a lot of the movies we see in theaters today, mm-hmm. but their budget is still like significant enough and it's like mainline studio support enough that it's a very different world than when they were creating it in the 80s. So yeah. long, long answer to your question. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Wes Craven was not consulted um mm. and he didn't like it <laughs> he didn't like did they like all. try to consult him and he was like nah no i think they just had a vision for the remake and just went with it went with it without him um but robert england though he was approached not to play in it but just basically to give his blessing and he was why supportive. didn't why didn't they pick him to play in it because they wanted to go a different direction and they thought that mm. First of all, England, I don't think wanted to be to do it. He okay. he'll, he'll he said he'll come back as Freddy. Like now, he's like, um, especially after like the way this movie turned out. But um, at the time, I think he was ready to like pass the role on to somebody else, especially because mm-hmm. they're taking a different direction. Like they didn't want what England's Freddy had become like so like over the top and campy that they're like, if we use him, if, even if we try to take it serious, like there's just too it's much of that. Enough. So that was kind of what they were doing. And so that's why they went with uh, Haley, who I think is, he's a fantastic actor. I think he does a great job, 
But uh, the question is, like, is the direction they took Freddy in an entertaining way to watch the movie? Not really. So it's like, yeah. yeah. So, well. Yeah, I was not. A, I, was, I have, like, for all that I, like, push back and I'm, like, annoyed with Freddy. Um, it was weird to have Freddy not be England. Like, yeah. It just it was weird. I didn't right, I didn't right. really like it. But I don't know if I didn't like it because that's just not what I'm used to or Yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of people when this movie came out were like, not my Freddy for uh for <laughs> James Earl Haley. But like like I said, I think he's a fantastic actor and I like this direction of Freddy. And um so some behind the scenes of this is they wanted to reimagine Kruger. Um, and kind of separate him from what had come before. So they lent more, leaned more heavily into his backstory being about sexual assault and pedophilia instead of being a child mur- murderer. Um, Which, like, they, that was where it, I mean, that was that was what I had assumed more or less. Anyway, was that that was the case that he yeah. that it was like pedophilia and child molestation and not just like killing kids. Yeah, but this one didn't even seem to imply that he killed kids. He just yeah, yeah. He just sexually assaulted them. Whereas in the original, it was both. I think. Um, okay. But they also wanted his skin to look more realistic, like a burns victim's skin. So uh, they originally made it a little too realistic. So they dialed it back a little. Um, I I could not. I, he looked. What did I say? I think I felt like he looked like the blue avatar people. Yeah, the Navi or whatever from. Yeah, from the movie that is terrible and awful and nobody should see. It's just a force of colonization. But um, like I was like, I it didn't like I now that you have said that I like I get now that you said that I get the like change in makeup because the original Freddy was like can't be over the top wasn't necessarily like a realistic vision of a burn victim but then like the way they did it for this one at least like it's a burn victim who's been in recovery and so has like the healed scarring i don't know or maybe i just like did not get a good view of freddy i mean there's some parts that they enhance with CGI where it's supposed to be like an opened wound on his face and stuff like uh. that still. So, um, but they put like, it was the same team that did the Two-Face design for the Dark Knight Returns. Um, uh. They were specifically hired for this because of the what they um, were able to achieve in the hmm. Two-Face design in that movie. Um, I would be curious though to see an image of before they dialed it back. Yeah, yeah, similar, similar. Uh, allegedly, there's, I think, a three-film deal with Hallie, but they dropped it after the poor success of this movie, which is weird because, like, it is the second highest grossing in the franchise. It's only behind Freddy versus Jason, so I wonder, like... Which really makes it, like, the highest grossing because Freddy versus Jason had two franchises in yeah, one. Yeah, So it's, like, it's wondering, like, what what is the real reason the studio scrapped the movie? I wonder if it was just like fan pushback or what, because yeah, right. Like everybody in who was a fan of the franchise went to see it once at least. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. yeah. Huh. There's this, um, interaction that, so horror as a genre is interesting in that a lot of directors and actors get their start in horror and then move branch out to other things. Rooney Mara is one of those. Uh, she played Nancy in this film, but if, oh, but okay. if you think back to like just this franchise alone, we had Patricia Arquette, we had Heather Langenkamp, mm-hmm. we had Johnny Depp. All this being their first film roles and stuff like that. So it's like it's a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, some actors look back fondly on that, and other actors apparently really try to distance themselves from it. Rooney, Rooney Mara is one of those. So it's mm-hmm. one of one of those things. Like the movie, is it because the movie isn't great? Maybe. Or is it because there's something that, uh, and this is the case with many actors, where they feel like, 
oh, horror is beneath me. So I want to mm. distance myself from having ever that. And I don't know about her case. Um, not really my place to say, but it is, it is interesting when you have an actor who is like very much like, oh yeah, that movie. I just did that because of you, as opposed to a lot of the other actors who are very appreciative of getting their over. Yeah. And then last behind the scenes thing I have is that there's a lot of meddling from higher ups. No surprise. Uh, but mm-hmm. this probably created a more diluted vision of the film. So I'm interested in what the director and writers had in mind before the studio meddled a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it really, like, as I was watching it, I think for me, having gone through, like, the whole series once, um, it really just felt like a how do we do the, like, greatest highlights scenes from the first mm-hmm. one with a plot? <laughs> like how do we make it's like the um, Mamma Mia movies right like yeah. you have all the songs and then you have to make the plot work around them yeah, you have yeah. all the iconic scenes and now you have to make the plot work around them and yeah but yeah that's what you it felt have like it. <laughs> do you have a one sentence summary for it oh sequels are never as good as the originals unless it's made with Muppets oh there we go i like it i like it yeah <laughs> that's more uh, of a judgment about it than a summary but do you I have think a... it's earned no i don't i i th- i mean i guess you could say like that's um a grittier remake than the original takes itself so seriously that it becomes extreme camp does that's also more of a judgment <laughs> um once again the women were right and five-year-olds don't lie about sexual assault. I mean, <laughs> we're just gonna wait till we get off. to the. But wait till we get to the deep theological discussion, because mm, when we start talking about the pre-K satanic fan, I, I really have to wonder, like, did the filmmakers do this intentionally, like bring up the pre-K satanic panic case from the early '80s, like? really hit the notes of that or was it accidental i don't know but like jesus christ it's like if if it either way though they did a really shitty job of by referencing it and playing off of it they did a really shitty job of actually addressing it which no surprise but yeah anyway i guess we'll get into the summary or um uh, so some of the I guess we'll just kind of go through like some of the stuff that stood out. Some of the r- repeat dream sequence. Okay, so this is where I I guess I stand on the dream sequences in this movie. The ones where they tried to call back to the original somehow looked worse every time. Mm-hmm. Like that really bad CGI of the wallpaper. Like the practical effects in the original was so much better. Okay, um, to be fair, I was watching on my computer, so the CGI didn't look bad to me the way that I think it did to you. It was immediately obvious to me what they were doing. And I was like, wait, are they just going to have the same thing for all of the... Yeah, yeah, right. And then, like, the bathtub scene where they reference it, but, like, cut away in such a way that it's just... Like, none of it... The references I felt like were never as good as the originals, but then the stuff yeah. I the liked. The bathroom definitely though, was not. Yeah. The stuff I liked were when they did original dream sequences. Some of those were so good and so effective. So that's kind of the stuff that still stands out to me that I wish the movie was better to support these dream sequences. Like my absolutely favorite one is the one in the classroom where she blinks and she, and when her eyes are open, suddenly the entire classroom around her is ash or like that scene with the micro naps in the supermarket where like Mm. Freddie like hits like a bag of flour and there's like a flower coming out and then goes into the dream and it's steam from a pipe and stuff. Just some of that was done really well. I thought. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I, when the first dream from the ceiling wall thing happened, I was like, oh no, is this just going to be like the greatest hits? And it was in large part. And I agree, (laughs) like the bathroom scene, I don't think was done as well, even though it was like practically the same thing. Um, And those sorts of, like they just, they were trying hard to connect with 
the original fans, I think, and what the original fans have continued to come back for is new things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they just missed the mark on that. But it was like the the new and creative ways that they did the switching into dreams was so much better. Like the scene in school, like you said, when she blinks and it becomes Ash versus when out of nowhere, the body of the of whoever it was reappears in a body bag and gets dragged out. Like mm-hmm. that was like that doesn't even fit right now. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't fit. So I'm with yeah. you on that, that like, I like the other scenes and dream, dream snaps and micro naps yeah. better. Uh, we have my favorite line. Who remembers when they're five, uh, just <laughs> the whole, like this, this is one of the things I do love about this is Connie Britton's performance as Nancy's mom. I adore she is like fantastic and like that whole like adult conspiracy against the kids like it's just so much more believable in this one the way Connie Britton like acts Mm -hmm. it I think but um, I mean it's still like trash don't be like that to your kids but like (laughs) but like I just thought that was fun um yeah it was like a not absolutely crap parent job yeah she was not a crappy parent. She was not a terrible parent. Like, we can and will talk about, like, what she did and didn't do and that sort of thing in the deep dive. But, like, in general, she was a parent who clearly cared a lot about her kid and had work that she had to do that took her away from home sometimes. But, like, mm-hmm. she cared about her. Yep. Uh, also, another new origin story of Freddy. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, is it new? It feels this, it felt this, we already talked about this a little bit, but it felt the same to me. It was, mm-hmm. it was Freddie molesting kids, parents finding out, getting mad. It took out the like mistrial or the mm-hmm. like acquittal that was declared from the original, but. And also it seems like this one, they weren't trying to murder him. They're trying to get him to come out of the building by setting it on fire. But that of course went awry, like. And what were they going to do if he came out? Just like beat the shit out of him? Like either way. Right. Still bad. Yeah. But, um, the jump roping girls are kind of tied into the origin in a more direct way than they've ever been in the franchise before with them being like mm-hmm. the actual preschoolers. That I mean, we could have always assumed that the girl jump roping girls were people that were murdered by Freddy in the past films. But this one, it actually like shows them as part of that. Pre- yeah. <sighs> So I guess you, what you're saying, though, is this is more of a synoptic a take on Freddy's origin. Yeah, this does not feel like the Gospel of John at all to me. Like, it feels like a, synop- a synoptic. It feels like Matthew. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. I like it. This I feels like So, John, then, for me, though, you, can you guess which one John is for me? I'm not 100% positive, but I also want to save this for the retrospective. Agreed, so that we agreed. can, like, think strategically about it. I I have my answers down, but I'm going to save them and make our listeners come back for a retrospective. <laughs> and also not spoil it for Emily, who doesn't like spoilers. I was going to say, who has not figured out what the rest of them are? <laughs> I just like say random shit in the middle. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, um, also, the like ending, I was like, oh, y'all messed it up and I saw it coming. No sign of a body anywhere. Right? They killed him and then set it on fire but did not wait the seven minutes in the movie it said when you are killed your brain keeps working for seven minutes or whatever and whether or not that is actually true it's more complicated blah 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 but in the movie it was true (laughs) and therefore when they like kill freddy and don't wait seven minutes for him to actually fully die of course he's coming back Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah, to love Emily. <laughs> I love it. Uh, anything else for this, or can we jump into our deep dive? I think I'm good with deep diving. Yeah, deep diving, diving deeply. <laughs> um, so, because this film does such a shitty job with this, I feel like I need to talk about the McMartin preschool trial 
and the real world ramifications of that and the way that a movie like this by kind of drawing on a lot of the same exact tropes of that story make Mm -hmm. can like really fuck it up so and i think they do because because i feel Mm -hmm. like if you're going to take freddie's pedophilia and rape of minors seriously and like show it and make it the text of the film then you should do a intentionally like careful job of handling it which i don't think they did um Mm -hmm. and the mcmartin preschool trial is a lot of that so um so i don't know the mcmartin preschool trial yeah so this is some of you listeners may know about this this was like a big big thing in the 80s and it started off they say satanic panic and um well didn't really start off but like was kind of part of that and it also um, still has real world ramifications with like a lot of Q anon folk talking about things like child sexual assault rings and stuff kind of come from the like media frenzy and way this investigation played out of the McMartin mm-hmm. preschool trial. So um, it was like early 80s. Uh, Basically, there was um, a concerned parent thinking that her child may have been sexually assaulted and blaming the preschool. And then the investigation into that um, unfolded through interviews with the kids by psychiatrists um, and talking with the kids found out that there was this entire huge like satan, satan, satan like the preschool is basically a front for like the satanic um cult or something that was like trying to like sometimes sacrifice kids sometimes just sexually assault them sometimes do this or that with them there's apparently all these underground tunnels and stuff under the preschool and all this so this is what the investigation was finding out through psychiatric interviews with the kids turns out none of it was true because the psychiatrists were do were um, big proponents of repressed memory. I don't want to get into that too much, but there is controversy about the evidence of whether or not repressed memory is something that is a thing or is something that it's not fully understood the way a lot of like armchair psychologists or like um, therapists, practitioners who don't know better um, think of it. Mm-hmm. Where, because um, what they find though is memory is very malleable so it's more likely that a therapist isn't helping someone recover repressed memory as much as they are helping the their uh, their client change or create a new memory um is what a lot of that is showing and so it's finding that with these really impressionable kids who are getting a lot of attention and um stuff by coming out with these really inventive stories about like taking them up in hot air balloons and make them jump out of them and stuff like this all sorts of just wild stories that people were just taking as fact um from these kids which of course turned out not to be true there weren't tunnels under the preschool there was no satanic cult associated with the preschool um and all this stuff uh because of that uh it like it's had this trial lasted for like nearly 20 years and there's huge buzz it kicked off this whole satanic panic and then of course the end result is that now people are less likely to trust when kids really are being sexually assaulted and naming it and stuff like this and so then when you have a movie like this that kind of is referencing some of that and kind of set and one of the subplots is like this kid is saying like maybe we lied about this or whatever like that like the what it's not that the kids lied about it but so much more more that they were kind of being unknowingly manipulated into like giving these really bizarre accusations and stuff um in the real world story so like just the way it references i just think it does a really shitty job of it doesn't really talk about it and has a lot of potential for harm when people don't actually believe when kids are actually being sexually assaulted and also the real world harm that things like the McMartin preschool trial and movies like this have with things like QAnon where people refuse to not believe in like these underground tunnels under pizza places and preschools and stuff like this and child child sexual assault rings that people like the Clintons are involved in and stuff like that so it's like 
is harmful in many ways. And it's just, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, in the article that you put in our doc, in our planning doc, um, right, part of it is it's not that there aren't memories that people are not actively remembering about mm-hmm. trauma. It's that they either consciously repress it or they forget it or it's made up, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's fabricated. And for sure, there's like, I remember in, when I was taking psychology and developmental psychology, the the ways that they talked about memories and the ability to plant memories in people. So to ask a particular question about an accident or something, and then in a particular way, and then when you revisit it, the person is more likely to have created this memory around it because mm-hmm. you have implanted that. Yeah. Um, and I am aware of it in my own brain where like, that's why gaslighting is so harmful because you actually like can get frequently to a place where the person is actually questioning their own reality. Yeah. Um, And so that like that piece is really complicated. And Mm -hmm. also there is no way that a kid is going to come up with being sexually molested, sexually assaulted on their own. Either it has happened to them or someone has talked about it or someone has gotten like implanted basically, which is what you were saying about the way it worked for the satanic panic thing. Um, And that's still, right? That's still harming the kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But this time it's the therapist harming the kids or that sort of a thing. But like the, the quickness with which Quentin is like, oh, we were lying and making shit up. I'm just like, I, it, it, blows my mind that you could think that quickly that this entire class of kids are making up this thing when you have noticed a difference in mood you've noticed a difference in behavior and then they start talking about this thing with an adult who pays a lot of attention to them but that's that's what i mean though is like by referencing this entire class that made up that the class didn't but the way the media portrays it of like these kids just making this stuff up you can see why like first of all this movie referencing that but then also someone like quentin maybe being seeing that on the news like it and that's the problem of the real world harm that this does which i'm agreeing with you 100 is like then just the net result is people don't believe kids and they should and it's i mean all of it all of that right is predicated on adults so bent on quote-unquote protecting kids that they avoid difficult topics and and then when things do come up like like this like they don't handle it well and that's what the parents are still doing right a decade later with these kids in high school where Nancy's mom is literally refusing to talk about it even when confronted like when initially confronted she denies it when mm-hmm. confronted with her lying She then still, like, that is the perfect opportunity for her to come clean about all of it and actually tell the whole story of what happened because at this point, Nancy's going to find out one way or the other. Um, But instead, she still wants to protect her kid from something that she failed to protect her kid from Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the past. And then her kid gets more hurt. Yep. Feelings. Right, right. It's almost like if something traumatic happens to your child, the appropriate thing to do is to help them address it in age-appropriate ways with the help of professionals like therapists and doctors, etc., instead of just pretending it never happened. Yeah. Just saying. 100%. Hiding things and not talking about them does not help. Right, right. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed, and I know you've quite a bit too, but uh, the other thing I noticed is that, as you referenced in the beginning, they stripped a lot of the religion out of the, f- the franchise. So, like, the only reference is the medals that um, Quentin is wearing. Uh, I think there's, like, a St. Christopher or St. Anthony, one of the medals, plus a cross. And then there's also the one on the wall. But that was it. Where was the one on the wall? I didn't remember the one on the wall. It was the just, wall. like, in the background. Okay. 
Because I remember thinking about it when Freddie was coming out of the wall and I was like, no crucifix. And I expected there to like wake up and have, but no. They even took that out of the one, two, Freddie's coming for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that it was just the like child's jump rope game. Yeah. And it wasn't the creepy part, but like the explainable part of the gardener who played with us when we were at recess. Yeah. Yeah. The funeral, though, that was also Oof. religion. It, it was something. <laughs> like all Hollywood funerals, for the most part, like, mo- first of all, most pastors don't give their homilies at the graveside like yeah graveside burial is like just the burial part yeah it's not the ad lib part unless that's all you're doing which like it wasn't pandemic times so most people did not do that yeah so weird but just like out it's always really weird and stuff and i always love this one did not do this but there are so many funeral scenes where they will even have the tombstone out already it's like no that happens a few months later after the grass like typically gets replanted and then the ground settles and then they'll put the tomb cheese you know our usual that's not how it actually happens Mm -hmm. yeah um also i thought it, it was interesting the way that they approached add and it was ADD then. Um, mostly I think it's ADHD now. Um, but like speed for kids with ADD. And like the way that he, Quentin was talking about it and using presumably Ritalin or Adderall, right? Like I was like, this is pretty sure that's not how it works. And also it works differently for different people. So for neurotypical people, it's going to work very differently than for neurodivergent people. Yeah. And so, like, when he's, like, offering it to her, I was like, um, yep. probably, like, not quite. Uh, <laughs> I was joking with Emily when we were watching this about how I was like, I feel like we almost need a pharmacist on here. Because <laughs> first first we had Hypnosil with this franchise. And now we have yep. Zonerol, which is the AD, uh, the speed for ADD people. Like you said, probably something like their version of Ritalin for the movie. Mm-hmm. But Zonerol. Apparently, it works like speed for ADD people and only ADD people. I don't know. Right, but like... <laughs> Which is the opposite of how Ritalin works for people with ADHD today. Yeah. So, it's, uh, I don't so understand. So, I was like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and Zonerol, like, zoner, like, yeah. you're going to zone out. Right. Zoning in? I, um, I don't know. Does not compute. I wonder what would happen if you are prescribed both Zonerol and Hypnosil if they would like cancel each other out or if they would like <laughs> right. make it worse. Or you do one in the daytime and the other at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was very proud of myself. I predicted that Jesse was going to die. Um, Jesse was super yeah. annoying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, once again, the two women, the two girls are not believed. And mm-hmm. are the ones who know what's going on. Um, but so the, just like, and I think you said this, Pace, what, that like Freddie is so much the embodiment of toxic masculinity in still in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the like the way that he inst- he works to in a way that undermines the people who are talking about him, right? Because he works in dreams, people who have not experienced him don't believe the people who are experiencing him in their dreams. Um, but then also like the one point where he has, I think it's Nancy, right? Where she's like stuck on the bed and can't move. And then he says, your mouth says no, but your body says yes, which is textbook victim mm-hmm. blaming textbook um, response to survivors of rape and sexual assault. Like, and a thing that like gets in people gets in people's heads of like sometimes your body responds in ways that like you cannot help and you mm-hmm. cannot do anything mm-hmm. about it. Um, but yeah, so like all of this space of like people being so quick to not believe Quentin being so quick to not believe his five year old self, um, all of this stuff that just like that's 
the tool a tool of the patriarchy is you don't believe yourself you are like gaslighting all of that stuff that like you are not trustworthy you are not believable sexism bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and murder bad since freddie does all of it and murder bad yay <laughs> shout out to nerds at churches you know backup motto murder bad <laughs> yeah yeah there wasn't as much new deep dive stuff I feel like because it was the like retread of the old. Yeah. And there was a watered a lot. down retread of the old even. So it's like, right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I guess we can talk get into writing it and talking about what we think of this mess. Yeah. And if there's a favorite kill, I know you want me to go first, but can you go first, please? Cause I are, I have a very strong opinion and I know, and I will probably have a mini rant with it. So I feel like <laughs> you should go first. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. Hear me out. <laughs> the half that's not trying to be the original Nightmare Greatest Hits, I might give a seven or eight. The half that's trying to be the Nightmare's original greatest, the original Nightmare's Greatest Hits, I might give the five. Uh, I feel like it's split pretty 50-50. Um, but like they really didn't have to just do a greatest hits. So I think I'm going to land on a six. Okay. For my rating. But I think, um, my favorite kill is Jesse because he's a jerk. Yeah. It's always the, it's always the righteous kills that get, that Mm -hmm. are like my, my bread and butter. What about you? Uh, so... Similar to Emily, if I could only rate some of those really like Micronaps isn't a real thing, but like for the sake of the movie, it was really cool how it worked and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, Just a lot of really cool stuff that I really would love to see a modern day Nightmare on Elm Street, whether it's a sequel or another remake or whatever that use that has ability to use this stuff and Mm -hmm. pull it off really well like it did in this movie. Um. But the problem is that's not the story and that's mm-hmm. not the whole entirety of the movie. That's just a part of the movie and it's the best part, but the rest of the movie just brings it so down <laughs> for me. It is no fun. Like part of the reason I love horror because it can be fun. It can be mm-hmm. fun to be like scared and stuff like this, but this one, it just feels like devoid of all fun. Every time you, it's even like, thinking about having fun suddenly freddie has to come in and say something like really really gross and upsetting that mm-hmm. is like so for me and every time i watch it i like it less <laughs> <laughs> so like originally it probably would have started out as like a six or seven for me when i came out of theaters but now like i'm watching it 10 15 times later over a decade later i'm just like it's like a three i can't Ooh, I really don't like it. wow that is low and that's nothing to do with the acting or any. It's just like the finished mm-hmm. product is just, I don't like it. I don't have fun with this one. Like yeah. it, it feels like a chore every time I have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, as far as favorite kills, I don't really have any favorite kills. I, like it's just slice and dice, but the dream sequence stuff just, it's pretty cool. And so mm-hmm. I'll go back to that classroom scene seeing that in theaters like for the first time i was like holy shit this is yeah and the rest of the movie happened (laughs) and then the rest of the movie (laughs) exactly yeah and the other thing that we didn't really talk about a ton is but you and i talked about before um is the jump scares Mm, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you told me at the beginning of like when we were watching freddy like freddy's not nightmare on elm street is not a jump scare movie and i feel like in trying to do this remake part of what they tried to do and it it's consistent with what we were saying before about like more gore more nudity more this more that more jump scare like it it became a more i'm gonna say a more typical but i don't actually know what is typical horror film right it's it's more what i think of as horror films where there's jump scares and there's like psychological horror like some psychological horror and like those sorts of things yeah so I think that's an interesting like way that they try that they moved away from the the original Nightmare on Elm Street franchise 
to be more jump scary, to be more gruesome. Um, And I don't think, I don't think it served the purpose that they wanted it to serve. Um, But I did jump more. I had two full jumps and three half jumps. Um, And I was watching while River was in the room. And so like the first jump was a huge jump. I don't even remember what it was on, but River like looked at me and was like, are you okay? I I love it. I love it. I'm fine. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you jump at all nope but i've also seen seen this like a million times yeah um one thing i should have said in the deep dive but it's my podcast can say whatever the fuck i want (laughs) um is one of the things that it i another reason i don't like it and give it a three is the first one was so like setting nancy up to be this real like almost an action hero saving Mm -hmm. herself say bringing her back her friends stuff like this this one fucking nancy needs a guy to save her what the fuck anyway yeah like it was i was like interested in the it's not a final girl anymore it's like two final people but yeah the the downside is that there's less of nancy is saving herself and saving other people or trying to save other people and more like he literally like steps in the way and potentially gets killed because of that well our next movie <laughs> is Nope. Nope. Uh, from, you have Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> came out last year, 2022. Because uh, I can say that now it's 2023. Wild. Yep. Um, your special guest, Rob Pitts. I'm really excited for that one. Me too. And, I'm super excited. Uh, that's it for our show. Our theme music was by Matt May. Horror Nerds at Church releases every Thursday. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support us on Patreon and get access to exclusive movie commentary episodes, BooTube episodes, and live episodes now that they're happening. What? And what? More... Especially on Saved. Like, right? who doesn't want to hear that one? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and all sorts of more bonus content. So go to patreon.com slash horrornerdsatchurch. It's only $5 to cheap up. So cheaper than the... So Did you the... say it's only $5 to cheap up? Yes. No, I it's only five dollars to cheap up. <laughs> it's only five dollars to sign up. Uh only five dollars to sign up, which is cheaper than the copay on Zonoral, I believe. Uh and probably yeah, the copay sure. on Hypnosil as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Horror Nerds at Church and Twitter H N A C P O D for all the latest updates about upcoming films, news, and other announcements. Until next time, he remembers when there were five. Probably um, most people. Not me. <laughs> Except for Emily. <laughs> <laughs> and also take your hypnosil, friends, and your Zonoral. Yeah. Take your meds. This is your good reminder. Drink your water, take your meds, eat your food. Mm-hmm.